0: And so this, today's message, again, is a continuation on the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus today is going to give us effectively a primer on how we are to live as Christians. And you see, we live in this world as exiles, as pilgrims, really, in a strange world. This is not our home. Uh, and so as we walk in this world, as we are exiled in this world... We suffer various temptations. And the biggest temptation that we suffer, Jesus will refer to as divided loyalties. Divided loyalties, meaning, who are you serving? You can only serve one master. Are you sold out in love with the world? Is it worldliness that lifts you up and entices you? Or are you really sold out to the master? Are you sold out to God? And this is what God expects from us. That, that we bow to him and give him all of our loyalties. And so that's the message today. Jesus is going to warn us about the, uh, divided loyalties uh, and the problem with walking in this world and how we as Christians need to deal with this. And so we have to understand this, that even though we walk in this world, we will not let the world ru- rule us. We will not let our, our lives be subject to ruin because of the world. Yes, we walk, but we see him. We walk with him. Uh, And so the point that you need to understand is you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling against uh, individual temptations that you might think of, but you're wrestling against principalities, powers, rulers of the dark world. That's who you're wrestling with. Demonic possession of of God, God's people, affecting God's people, and, and demons itself in every aspect of your life. And so that's what we fight against. That's what God is warning us about. And so it is an incredible conflict that we face, and God is warning us about that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And there Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in. And steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, uh, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What a powerful message from uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. They also fail to say that there will be tremendous preachers in my absence every Sunday. And so we have great talent. Uh, uh, Pastor Tim Mercalda will be doing most of the preaching. Dave Gibson, Pastor Dave Gibson, will do one Sunday. So you will not be missing out on, on very strong preaching as well. And so Jesus warns us about not serving two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can't be in love with the world. You can't be in love with treasures or your possessions or power of the world and still believe that you're in love with God. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You love one or the other. You serve one or the other. Uh, And so you see the temptation for worldliness as it surrounds us. Uh, And so this is an important thing to understand, that this is exactly how Satan looks to move you out of the will of God. This is how he looks to take you out of of the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ by getting yourselves sold off to worldliness. And so Jesus gives us effectively a great principle in, this, in these verses. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now what does Jesus mean by that? What does it mean to be laying up treasures in heaven? Well, first of all, let's avoid uh, defining this by merely money. So many people just limit this to money. This is not just money. This verse applies just as equally to poor people as it applies to rich people. It applies to every aspect of the word treasure. Uh, It may mean possessions. It may be physical possessions. It may mean family relationships. It may mean power. Uh, It may mean authority. Uh, It may mean position. Uh, And and it's an all-inclusive term that defines everything that the world elevates. Uh, And so it's important to understand that. And that's what Jesus is pointing you to and warning you about. And so it's not just your possessions. It's not just about your affluence. It's about all those other things that can conflict with the love of God, that can conflict with your worship of God, that can conflict with your walk with God. It can just as easily be a vacation home as it could be a bank account. It could also be relationships with your family. Our families can interfere uh, with our walk with God and our relationship with God. You know, it's very sad to me, uh, and I see this from time to time, where I see really uh, well-meaning Christians, and they'll have family come in and visit them from out of town. Uh, And what will happen is they won't go to church that day. They won't go to church that day uh, because they have family visiting with them. Well, you know what? That's the day more than any other day that you should say, we're going to church. We're going to church. And if you don't want to come, that's okay. That's between you and God, but we're going to to church. You see, that's the kind of example that God looks for in your life, because that's elevating God above a family relationship. I know it's not easy. Listen, I've been there. I understand these things. So I want you to understand that. I'm not just preaching uh, without experience in this. Definitely, I I have I've experienced this. And so, this is a message that God is warning all of us about what it means to be fully dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ and to God uh, as well. And so it is not really what a man may have, you see. It's not really in the accounting list of your life, but it's rather what he thinks of his possessions, what he thinks of his treasures, how he elevates those treasures. Uh, and so really it's a question of attitude. What is your attitude to, towards life in this world, to the relationships of this world, to the, to the power of this world as distinguished from what you think of God And where God belongs in your life. And so Jesus really is dealing here with Christians. And let's understand this. The Sermon on the Mount is for Christians. And so he's dealing with people who are getting their main satisfaction from the things of this world. That belong to this world. That's the warning here. That's the warning that Christ is giving us. He is warning us that it is wrong. Absolutely wrong for a man to confine his ambitions and interests. And hopes to this world where instead everything that we hope for, all of our ambitions should be wrapped up in serving him. Uh, And so this is a much bigger subject than just mere physical possessions, a much bigger subject. And poor people need this as well because you understand that poor people can be tied up in this world. They can be tied up in this world, and we understand that it may not be the same uh, as what affluence brings, brings to people as a temptation. But poor people can also have these things. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor in this world's things. The question is, where is your heart? And you know, some of the things that can distract us are friends. You can have friends that are meaningful. you love your friends. And yet your friends can be a distraction. Your friends can be a hindrance. And here's the other thing. Recreation can become a hindrance uh, in so many ways that you, can, you want to be able to travel and go places and do things. Uh, and so many of us would love to have a boat and a summer house. And yet what happens when we get those things? We never darken the church again, do we? We don't ever come into church because we're wound up in the the attraction of these physical things. And so it's not just the love of money, uh, it's the love of honor, it's the love of position, Uh, it's the love of status. You understand? It's the love of everything that the world would elevate, that we would embrace and look for, that could be an obstacle to our relationship with God. Because that's the most important thing. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot. You will only love one and repudiate the other or vice versa. And so the, the question be, becomes, really, what, do, what we value tugs at our mind in every way and our emotions. It takes us. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you elevate isn't being important. Anything can become evil and an obstacle, uh, even if it is not intrinsically bad. But if you elevate it and make it important so that it usurps the place of the kingdom of God. This is important to understand. And so remember this. There's nowhere in the Bible where it is taught, where the Bible teaches us that money itself is evil, that affluence itself is evil. That's not in the Bible. But the question is, it's not the money or the possessions. It's the way we treat them our attitudes toward them, the fact that we fall in love with them, that we elevate them, and that they become obstacles between us and God. And it is so easy to happen. You don't even realize that it happens. And so God, is, God has really blessed us in so many ways. When I look at this church and I recognize that God has given you everything. He's allowed to live you in one of the most beautiful places in the United States. Uh, and, and the weather is incredible. And he's surrounded you with a network of friends. that's incredible. Uh, and, and he's blessed you in so many ways and given you good health. And many of you have lived into your 80s and 90s. And you still look like young people. Can you imagine being blessed like this? God has blessed you. I know you have some problems. I understand that. That's the world here. We live in a place. You're never going to get out of here without dying first. So let's understand this. At some point, we all have to die. All right? We all have to. My dad used to say, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Well, we understand that. We understand that that's how human beings are. But God has given you all these blessings. Now, think about it. With all these blessings that were meant to enhance your life, what a sin if instead of enhancing our lives that we now fall in love with them that God has given us, and we worship them and lift them up instead of worshiping the creator who gave it to you. Just think about what it would mean to be in the shoes of God and see that his creation has embraced the things instead of him. May God have, have, give us mercy on this point. This is a very significant issue. Uh, And so today, when a man really, when a man surrenders to God and allows him to redirect his life, all these other issues fall into line and are removed as an obstacle. And I want to give you some personal uh, testimony in my own life. When we were in our 30s, God gave us the grace to be able to buy a beach house. Uh, And in New Jersey, uh, in the summertime, everybody in New Jersey goes to the beach. It's a mass exodus. If you're from that area, you understand that. You leave and you go down south. Everybody in New Jersey is on the Garden State Parkway. And so that's why it'll take hours to get any place uh, in New Jersey during the summer. So it's a wonderful thing. And I recognize that God had given us this. And so on Friday night, we would first go to church. Then from church, we would leave. We would drive down to the shore. And we would get down to the shore, usually at around 11 o'clock or midnight, and it would be Linda, me, and my son, uh, and obviously he would become a teenager. And so here we are sitting uh, at the beach, and we, we were blessed to have a beachfront house so we could see the ocean. And so it's Sunday morning, you see, and the water is blue, and the air is terrific. And it would be so nice, you see, to go out and sit on the deck or go surfing, but instead, we recognized that we had a responsibility to serve God, so we got back in our car and we drove 70 miles to church every Sunday, and we would take our teenage son with us every single Sunday. We would go up to church. And then after church, we'd get back in the car and drive back. Now, you can imagine what that's like, all right? But that's what we would do, and this was it. This was what we did every single Sunday of our lives. We, we understood that we had to put God in first place. And here's an incredible story as part of that. One weekend, his girlfriend from Wake Forest came and visited him. And she did not go to church with him. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why he didn't marry her. And so she came and visited with us. And on Sunday morning, we got up and he got up and we went into the car and we left her at the house. You understand? Right? We invited her, we made it clear. But we don't drag people to church. That's not what it's about. But we went to church because that's what God wants. That's the example of what God wants. You see, this is how God expects you to live. Yes, I'll bless you. Yes, I'll give you this house. Yes, I'll give you this home. Yes, I'll give you the chance to have greater possessions in your life. But what will you do with them? Will you advance me? Or will it all be about yourself? Will you live to yourself? And so this is an important point that I'm saying to you, that you all have been blessed in an incredible way. And I'm going to tell you the influence of that, those lessons. My son reached, recently preached a message about how those days stood as a stark reminder in his own personal life about what it means to make a commitment to God, that we stand committed to God, all right? Even when we have distractions in our life or things that could be blessings in our life, we still stand and walk with God. We give Him elevation in every possible way. This is this is meant not to make me look better because this is not the point. I bow before the throne of God, but rather it's meant to be an example for you of how God wants us to live. This is the nature of what this message is about, divided loyalties. And so, in this area of life, it's not that God is asking you to abstain. He doesn't want you to go into a monastery up on a hill and wear drab clothing, and in and, and every way cut yourself off from life. That's not what God wants. He wants you to be in the world and part of the world, but he doesn't want you to become tarnished by the world, or impacted by the world, or, or let the world in such a way become an obstacle to your life in every way. And so God wants you to use the things that he has given you. Use it. Use, use your possessions. Use your wealth. Use your treasure. Use your natural gifts to advance the kingdom of God. And under his direction, that we can use it for the health and advancement of the kingdom of God. To to help those who need it. To give material aid to those who need it. And to, in all things, promote the Christian gospel. That's what it's about, you see. That's what Jesus wants us to do. And so, effectively, Jesus is giving us an important principle to live your life by. And that's the, that's the key thing of understanding this. If you have money, if you have possessions, if you have wealth, then use it here in this world to benefit those who need it so that God will receive the glory. Can I get an amen, church? All right. And here's the point that when you do this, that when you arrive in heaven, you'll be greeted by the very people who you helped. How about that? Is that a powerful story? That's the point of understanding the rewards. Do you see? This is what we don't preach enough. God is going to reward this kind of behavior. He's going to reward your thinking when you do that. It's not just an empty promise. He will do that in every way. Scripture tells us this over and over and over again. The Apostle Paul compounds this. Very clearly in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in God, put, put their hope in wealth, rather, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Don't put your hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in your possessions. But put your hope in God. take hold of the life that is truly life. Lay up your treasure on the other side. Live your life so that you're sending it ahead. And that's what God wants you to do, that you don't fall in love with the things of this this world. In other words, if you have been blessed with riches, use them, use them in such a way that you'll be building up a balance in heaven. This is what God is telling us. This is how we are to live. So Jesus is not really speaking against possessions. Uh, He was speaking against a ruinous preoccupation. A ruinous preoccupation with them. Uh, Being in love with them. Embracing them in such a way that they interfere with with your spiritual life. Uh, And that's why Jesus is emphasizing this to us. This is a critically important message for us. Yes, you're saved. Yes, God has called you. Yes, he holds you in the palm of his hand. But the question is this, are you being everything you could be? Are you doing everything you could do to advance the kingdom of God? Or have you somehow lost sight of the first calling? Have you somehow lost sight of your first love and instead now have divided loyalties? This is a message the church needs to hear, uh, and it's important. Uh, And the thing that we need to understand is that one day everything that you have will be gone. You see, all these things that you've worried about and hang, had anxiety about your whole life, in a second, it'll be gone when you're called. Now, think about this. We worry about our possessions. We, we, we do the best we can to accumulate it. And if you're lucky, you live to be a 100. But think about eternity. If I were to say eternity was 50 billion years... That would be just a tiny, tiny part of eternity. And so we are weighing things for a 100 years as distinguished and opposed for things that will be 50 billion. Folks, we've lost our mind. We've lost our mind about what's truly important, and that's what Jesus is saying to us think about it. Think about what's really important in terms of what your spiritual future is. And he says this so well, Paul does, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. It's a series of verses that I hardly ever heard preached as a young man, but now I find myself preaching these verses often. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation, meaning Jesus Christ, using gold, silver, Costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only one is escaping through the flames. And so that's the point. Gold, silver, costly gems, they last forever. If that's what you're building on, the things of God, they will last forever. They will never be destroyed. But if you're using wood, hay, and straw, the things of this earth, it'll be destroyed. Yes, you'll be saved. Yes, you'll still get to heaven. But all those things that you thought you were working for won't account for one thing when we get to the other side. Uh, And so... We have to ask ourselves as Christians, has, have things become our God? Are we worshiping our possessions? We cannot let treasure distract us. The third reason why Jesus in this uh, set of scriptures warns his followers about an improper concern for possessions occurs in verses 22 and 23, where Jesus then warns us about spiritual vision, you see, the eye, is the spiritual gateway to your body. And if the eye becomes occluded and darkened, because all it is is now concerning things about this world and worldly possessions and the acquisition of those things, the things that the world holds high, then the eye cannot let true light into our heart. It cannot let that. And what happens? Then there's spiritual darkness within us. Why? Because your eye became occluded. Because you darkened your eye By not allowing your eye to have the clear vision through the Holy Spirit of what's important. Our entire spiritual health depends on our eye. And the fact that we want light to pass into our heart so that we can be fed. This is a critically important message, church. And so I believe that this is true of many Christians today. Do we see spiritual things clearly? Do we have a clear understanding of the things of God? Or are we instead somehow divided in our loyalty? Do we, Have we elevated material things or status in some way or honor in some way uh, to interfere with our spiritual life? Uh, and so this becomes something that we have to pray about and think about and reflect. Now, how can we, how can we do these things in practice, really? We first have to have a correct view of life, uh, And and an understanding of the hereafter. We have to understand we're only here for a short time. We're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. We are pilgrims walking in exile in a foreign land. Let me repeat that. We are pilgrims walking in exile in a foreign land. All right? This isn't your home. Don't get so comfortable with it. Don't fall in love. You're only going to be here for a short period of time. Really. Really. In fact, I hope many of you get up in the morning and pray that the rapture comes today. Honestly, I find myself doing that more and more as this world is burning down as we watch it. The values that we had when we were growing up have been eroded. All right? And we see churches falling. Who would ever say we'd see that before? All right, as you see, the very moral structure of this world deteriorate, and it goes from the very low right to the highest point, right to the government, to the very highest points in government, and you know it. And so that's the point. We are exiles in a foreign land. We can't fall in love with this place. We want to advance the kingdom of God. We want to do his world, so we stand here as principle. And principles, and so the principle that we need to focus on is those things that were embraced in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith. How did these great patriarchs walk in this world even as they stood out as exiles themselves? And it says there in in chapter 11, they, they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth who were looking for a city, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. How about that? They were looking for a city. They were looking for a city. It wasn't here in this world, but they were looking for a city whose foundations were made by God itself. And that's how they lived, and that's how they walked. That's why God could turn to a man like Moses, who had every possible material possession. He had it all. He was a prince in the greatest power in this world, at that time, Egypt. And he would call him and ask him to leave, walk away, repudiate it, and become a shepherd for 40 years out in the desert to prepare him for leading God's people. And he said, I will go. Now, how could he do that, you understand? How could he forsake all these things on the balance sheet of life? It's because he understood that the entire balance sheet of life was worth nothing. Was worth nothing in comparison to the recompense of God. He had had an understanding of his internal reward of what God had given him. And so the final verse of this, this section that I've given you, verse 24, deals with the mutually exclusive nature of serving God and serving riches and serving possessions, and serving this world. And it says there, Jesus said it well, and Abraham Lincoln quoted this, you know, in one of his greatest speeches during the Civil War. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. That would be God and treasure. He cannot. Don't deceive yourself don't go down that road. You cannot. It cannot be done. Can anything be more insulting to God to recognize that he gave you Jesus Christ, that he saved you from eternal damnation, that he put his own son on the cross, and instead you have now embraced the world? Oh, Lord, have mercy on us, Father. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. And give us the wisdom to understand. You know, and this, this this calls to my mind, really, a story that I read about a farmer, you see. A farmer, a good man. Uh, and one day, uh, his prize steer had two, two calves. Had two calves. One red and one white. And so he walked in to his wife and said to his wife, We've been amazingly blessed. We've just had twin calves. One is red and one is white. And I have decided that we will keep one for ourselves and I will give the other to God. Oh, she said, that is terrific. Which one are you going to give to God? I haven't decided. I have to think about it. Well, some months went by and he walked back into the house one day and he said, I have bad news for you. She said, what happened? She said, the the Lord's calf just died. The Lord's calf just died. She said, you hadn't decided which one was God. Well, actually, secretly I had. I had always decided it would be the white calf. And the white calf died, and he died. You understand? Is that Do we live like that? Do we actually live like that? The Lord's calf just died. Yes, I've been blessed, but, you know, don't I deserve something, God? can I have a good time? Can I spend some time? Is it wrong for me to want this or do that or to have this? Is it wrong? The question is, yes, for you it is wrong, you see. Yes, you can have these things. Yes, God has given you these things. Yes, God has blessed you, but put them in their proper perspective. It's his. You understand? That's why I always laugh when people say to me about tithing, is it on the net or the gross? Are you kidding me? The net or the gross? Where are you you going? Is it on the net or the gross? I don't see this in the Bible, the net or the gross. Here's the question, and here's the answer. It's all his. You got it? It's all his. Now, what part of his are you going to take back for yourself? You understand? What part of his are you going to take back for yourself? And that's how God wants us to live. Lord, deliver us from worldliness. Deliver us from personal ambition. Deliver us from the allure of this world, from the attraction of this world. Father, give us the focus on the cross, Jesus, in every aspect of our life. And keep us, Father, constantly on the path that so we will walk with you. And as we walk with you, we will be a light to this world. We will show other people this is how we are to live. This is direction of our life. Amen, church? Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for what Christ has given us. I thank you for this understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Lord, deliver us today from the allure of this world, from temptation of possessions, from power, position. Deliver us from all this and keep us, Father, focused forever on you on the cross in every way. Lord, we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.